Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of John. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail your questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We're continuing in our study of the gospel according to John. We're in chapter 7, beginning at verse 10. I want to go to verse 1 of chapter 7 and put things in context. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. Now that was among the leaders of the Jews, talking about Jerusalem and that area. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren, therefore, said unto him, Depart hence and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Now these are his half-brothers. These are the children of Joseph and Mary, and they were unbelieving. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it, and the works thereof are evil. Go ye up unto this fe uh, feast. I go not up yet unto this feast, for my time is not yet full come. When he had said these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. Now, there's something important for us to remember here. This is not a chronological account in that everything that we've been reading from the first of John, the gospel, to the seventh chapter of John has not been in chronological order immediately one thing upon another. It may be uh, said that it's in chronological order in the sense that one thing came before another, but not that one thing came immediately following another. In other words, there are years in between. In fact, here in chapter 7, we're within the last six months of the ministry of Christ. We've already come through three years or so of Christ's ministry in the first seven chapters of the book of John. And so remember, it's a theological book, not a chronological book. You have to understand that because you'll get lost otherwise wondering what all happened. The things that are written are to help you understand that Christ is the very Son of God, very God the Son. And that's why John wrote these things. It is not to give a chronological view of Christ's earthly existence or his earthly ministry we find a closer to chronological view in Matthew, Mark, and Luke than we find certainly here in John. But that reminder, just to keep you from making a, a mistake when it comes to studying the book of John. Now we continue with 
verse 10. This will be Christ's final departure, his last time to leave Galilee, because he's going to go finish his work. But when his brethren were gone up, then went he also up unto the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, Where is he? And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him, for some said, He's a good man, others said, Nay, but he deceiveth the people. Howbeit no man spake openly of him for fear of the Jews. So here in verses 10 through 13, we see that Christ went to the Feast of Tabernacles. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 19. Uh, No, let's go to chapter 23. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 23. And uh, let's go to verse hmm, verse 33. This is uh, one of the three holy feasts of Judaism. It is the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Sukkot, the Feast of Booths. It comes on the 15th of Tishri, and that's sometime between September and October. It's the seventh month according to the Jewish biblical calendar. And it was the third feast that required a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to worship in the temple and offer sacrifices and offerings unto the Lord. And we see its beginning here in Leviticus. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, now verse 34, Leviticus 23, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month, shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. On the first day shall be an holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein. Seven days ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. On the eighth day shall be an holy convocation unto you, and ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a solemn assembly, and ye shall do no servile work therein. These are the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, a burnt offering, and a meat offering, a sacrifice, and a drink offerings, everything upon this day, besides the Sabbaths of the Lord, and beside your gifts, and beside all your vows, and beside your freewill offerings, which ye give unto the Lord." Also in the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when ye have gathered in the fruit of the land, ye shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And ye shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook, and ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days." And ye shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. It shall be a statute for ever in your generations. Ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Ye shall dwell in the booths seven days. All that are Israelites born shall dwell in booths. That your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths. When I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. And Moses declared unto the children of Israel the feasts of the Lord. That's in Leviticus. And that's where we find the Feast of Tabernacles or Feast of 
booths, as it's called. Feast of Tents, you could call it, if you wish to do that. I'm not saying that's the correct thing. In this Feast of Booths, um, the question of whether Jesus was going to go or not was debated by his half-brothers, and his half-brothers, not being believers, were, of course, wanting him to expeditiously present himself and make himself king, or show himself to be foolish, as some of them apparently thought he was. The truth is, after Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, they too, at least some of them we have record of, became believers in Jesus Christ. Now this was about six months prior to the crucifixion, and uh, in this festival, in this feast of tabernacles, uh, the people would gather in, they'd have a high holy day to begin with, and then they would have no work, they would have a vacation as it were, until the next Sabbath. And when the Sabbath rolled around again, they would uh, once again uh, have a high day or a holy day, if you will. Um, Each day, for six consecutive days, there was a parade of priests carrying water in golden vessels into the temple area. The pouring of the water was thought to have physical and spiritual significance. And so on the seventh day, which was the great day of the feast, no water was carried. It was at that point, we'll read in John uh, chapter 7, where Jesus will stand and proclaim uh, the teaching of the rivers of living water. Um, And uh, that was a very significant reference to the Holy Spirit. Um, the advice of Jesus' unbelieving half-brothers was to get to the feast, but uh, that was not what Christ was going to do. As we see here in these verses, um, he took his time to get there, and he did so as if it were in secret, and that was important uh, to Christ in his presentation of himself. But he did depart from um, from Galilee to go there. Uh, this required a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to worship in the temple. Uh, and so this would have been Christ obeying the law once again. And he obeyed the law. He fulfilled the law completely. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, as well as there in Leviticus chapter 23, we have a mention uh, of this um, feast. It was Israel's Thanksgiving celebration. Um, and there are a couple reasons for that. Number one, it was at the fall harvest time, and they were rejoicing in God's provision. It was a time of celebration and joy and relaxation and rejoicing. Uh, it also was there to acknowledge Israel's deliverance from Egypt and their wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. When they wandered in the wilderness, they slept in these kinds of of uh, dwellings. Uh, They lived in tents. They worshiped at the tabernacle. The tabernacle was also a tent. Of course, it was a special one, but it was a tent nonetheless. And so um, to remember this, they built these small booths of branches and thatched roofs, and they fulfilled the commandment. Uh, And even to this day, uh, you find that in Israel. And 
I've been there uh, when they've had the Feast of Booths or Feast of Tabernacles, and you see the little uh, shanties that they construct on the roofs of their houses or uh, in the courtyard of their home or wherever they can. The um, males sleep in these booths unless it's raining. They've got permission not to sleep in them. Um, The roof has got to be left loose. It can't be tied down. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's got to be, um, more or less sparsely put in, uh, put together because it can't tie them together. So you could probably see the stars, but, uh, they say that, uh, you could see the, the stars if it's built right, but they couldn't be more than 10 inches open at any point, but rain would still come in. So they live in these booths for that month. Uh, as a reminder of their days in the wilderness living in tents. Um, When they come to the temple, they're supposed to carry an etrog, which is a citrus fruit, symbolizes the fruit of the promised land. The Jews also used a lula, which was uh, made of branches, palm trees, myrtles, and willows tied together with a golden thread, and they wave that as a Uh, an offering to the Lord, but also as a sign of rejoicing. Uh, They would pick up this this bunch of of leaves and and twigs uh, put together with a golden thread, and they would hold it in their right hand, and uh, so they would have the citrus fruit in the left hand, and they would have the uh, branches in the right hand, and they would say the blessing. The blessing basically went something like this. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us by his commandments and instructed us concerning the waving of the palm branch. And then uh, they might say the uh, Shekinayu, which is blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, for keeping us in life, for sustaining us, and for helping us reach this day. And so they had this special way that they did this. Uh, just as um, in every other uh, kind of ritual, there is a recitation of Psalm 27, or there's recitation of various blessings uh, that have to be done, and that's throughout the uh, entire seven days, uh, including the uh, kinds of sacrifices that had to be um, had to be made um, at these feast days and that sort of thing. But the, um, the portion there that we'll get to in John chapter 7, verses 38 and 39 in just a minute, or in a few minutes, um, he said that um, he was presenting the Holy Spirit as the river of living water. And uh, the last day was the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. So let's... Um, also uh, remind you that the light that was given in the temple during this time was very bright. It was uh, from all sorts of torches and golden lampstands, and uh, that uh, golden lampstand, of course, looked to the coming of the Messiah. And uh, in John 8, 12, he says that he is the light of the world, and we'll get to that as well in just a moment. So at least you have some understanding of the Feast of the Tabernacles. It was one of the three main Jewish feasts. It was required by God in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Uh, 
uh, and it was observed by the Jews from the time of Moses. Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God, or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. But he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Notice that they say, This man is unlearned, and yet he teaches. Christ certainly was not unlearned. Being God himself, he was not unlearned. Uh, however, he was perhaps unschooled in the sense of the schooling of the day. The truth is, he knew the scripture forward and backward because we remember in um, uh, the early days of Christ on this earth as uh, in human form, that when he was about 12 years of age, of course, he was there in the temple disputing with the doctors and the lawyers. And they said, uh, we want to talk to this young man. He is far advanced uh, beyond his years. And of course, he was, because he was the Ancient of Days. Um, there was probably the normal synagogue training. Uh, Jewish boys received that. Um, but he had not attended a um, rabbinical school, which was like the seminaries of his day. Paul did. You'll remember Paul's um, testimony of being under Gamaliel, the teacher among teachers of that day. Um, but Jesus claimed that his ability to teach should prove the divine origin of his message. He's teaching that his doctrine is not of himself, but of the one that sent him. Verse 16. And if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God, or whether I speak of myself. You see, Christ once again turns everyone's direction toward God. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God, or whether I speak of myself. It was not some sort of self-aggrandizement, but it was just simply uh, God using his Son in this place. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Christ, again, pointing to the Father and pointing out the fact that that his direction of them to God Almighty, Father maker of heaven and earth, that that showed that he had no unrighteousness in himself, but he was pointing them to the source of righteousness. Verse 19, Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keepeth the law? Why go ye about to kill me? Now notice, Christ knew what was in their heart and what was on their mind. They were wanting to kill him. They were conspiring to kill him. Remember, this is a scant 
uh, six months or less before his crucifixion. And his question is, why do you go about to kill me? And we'll have the answer uh, in just a little bit, but the answer is basically, we're not going to admit to it, they said. And so when we come back with our next study, we'll continue here at verse 20, the Lord willing and being our helper. The point of Jesus thus far at the Feast of Tabernacles is to present himself as the very messenger of Almighty God. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. That's The Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bumpville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.